0: I'm Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. This week, I'm excited to be continuing our biblical mindset series and talking about biblical friendship. Now, this is definitely a topic that could span over multiple episodes, but we're going to at least hit on some of the main biblical principles that define true godly friendship. Before we jump in, I wanted to remind you that it's a great time to register for our 2023 conference. If you'd like to join us in Colorado, there are a few more spots left for the event that's happening on our Ellerslie campus, June 14th through 16th. And it's just a beautiful environment, a way to connect with other women from every age and background and walk of life that is just interested in pursuing Jesus. And I've seen people walk into the conference as total strangers and walk out two days later as really close friends. So it's really beautiful to see what God does. If you can't make it to Colorado, I'd also encourage you to consider hosting a simulcast of this event. You'll have access to the sessions for the rest of 2023. So you can pick a time that works well for you and whatever group of women you'd like to share these messages with. Our theme this year is Valiant, Becoming a Woman of Heavenly Strength. So click the link in this podcast description if you'd like to learn more about that event or go to setapartgirl.com and click on Upcoming Events. Let's talk about friendship from a biblical perspective. Now, in recent episodes, I've talked a lot about counterfeit honesty, and I think this is something I see a lot in friendships with other women, where we have these gatherings and these women's groups and this social media connection, and there's this idea that unless you are processing everything you're thinking and feeling with a group of women and being truly real and raw and authentic, then you really don't have healthy friendships. And I've felt the pressure in my own life that if I'm not sharing everything with a group of girlfriends, somehow I'm not being real and I'm not being honest. That's really a counterfeit honesty that does not take into account the biblical quality of discretion. We've talked about Mary, the mother of Jesus, who instead of sharing all the amazing things that she went through as being chosen to be the mother of the Savior of the world, it says that she cherished these things and she pondered them in her heart. She kept them to herself and she pondered them in her heart. And God praised that as a virtue. He didn't criticize that as, you know, she's just not being real enough or authentic enough and where's all her girlfriends that she can process with. And if you look at the life of the Proverbs 31 woman, she is not spending her time just just talking with girlfriends and cultivating these friendships and processing with other people, she is busy with the work of God's kingdom, whether that's serving her family, serving the poor in her community pouring into those around her. And that's what really occupies her time. As I look at the example of missionaries in history, I've seen so many women that I look up to who walked through really lonely times. Some of them were in very remote parts of the world serving where they didn't have a lot of friends around them that they could process with. Or maybe they were suffering for their faith and they were in solitary confinement. They were in a prison cell. And again, not many friends that they could process their thoughts and their feelings with, and yet Jesus was their perfect satisfaction in those situations. So I don't believe that the only way to be healthy and functional is to be surrounded by a whole bunch of friends or a few friends that you can process and share everything with. Friendships can be a good and perfect gift from the Father, especially if they're handled in a godly way, but they can very easily create an unhealthy dependence in our lives and take the place that God wants to have in our lives. He wants to be our first turn. And these are things we've talked about in previous episodes, so I'm not going to go too deeply into those concepts, but just bringing them up as a reminder, as a context for true godly friendship. One of the ways you can really quickly tell whether a friendship is healthy or not is to ask the question, does this friend lead me closer to Jesus Christ or farther away from him? Now, there might be a ministry situation where you're friends with someone who isn't even a believer. And so that person may not be personally leading you closer to Christ, but as you approach that friendship, your dependence on Christ and your leaning on his spirit for wisdom of how to impact that person, that might be drawing you closer to him. Versus a friendship with a non-believer or someone who's a nominal Christian who's actually influencing you to become apathetic in your Christian walk. So it's a really good question to ask. The person themselves doesn't even have to be a believer, but is having them in your life drawing you closer to Jesus Christ or pushing you further away from him? And this was a lesson I learned way back when my love story with Eric was first unfolding. There were two critical lessons that God had to teach me as my relationship with him was forming. And the first, as we've been talking about, was to find my satisfaction in Jesus Christ and to recognize that I had everything I needed to find perfect happiness in Him, whether or not I ever got married. And I know we're talking about friendships here, but this is also such an important truth for those single years of your life where you're thinking, I'm never really going to be happy until I get married. I remember those days and feeling like it, it was going to be impossible that my heart could ever really truly echo the words of Psalm seventy-three twenty-five. There is none upon earth I desire besides you, meaning God. And yet the more I spent purposeful time in the presence of God and drawing near to Him and pouring my heart out to Him and meditating on Him, I began to experience that deep heart satisfaction that can only come from making Christ our first love. And that is a critical lesson not only in a pre-marriage relationship or even in a marriage relationship to put Christ first and find your satisfaction in Him and make Him your first turn. It's also critical for friendships when we begin to make our friends our first turn and find our comfort, our security, our happiness, our sense of value in those friendships, we are not putting Christ in his rightful place. We need to let him bring us to that place of Psalm seventy three twenty there is none upon earth I desire besides you. And so even if we were removed from all of our friends, even if we were placed into a prison cell or in a very remote part of the world where those friends were not around us, maybe we don't have even internet access, but he is enough. And we always need to be brought to that place of knowing that he is enough before we can truly be a godly friend or enter into friendships in a healthy way. Another key lesson that I had to learn, not only in my relationship with Eric as it was unfolding, but also in my friendships, was how to point others to Christ and not to myself. I found that it was really easy to try to take first place in another person's life and heart, not just in Eric's life, because that's very easy to do when you have a significant other in your life, to try to take first place in their heart. But also in all of our relationships and friendships, that's a very easy trap to fall into. We have this natural desire to make ourselves indispensable in our friends' lives, to be that special person that they confide in, that they lean on, that they value above all their other relationships. And whether it's a love story or a marriage, we want to be adored and worshiped by that other person, to have him find his utmost satisfaction in his relationship with us. And yet that is not the place we are meant to fill in his life. Amy Carmichael wrote, If I slip into the place that can be filled by Christ alone, making myself the first necessity to a soul, instead of leading it to fasten upon him, then I know nothing of Calvary love. Now, this principle is so profoundly true, but it is the opposite of the way most of us are wired when we approach friendships and relationships. Our culture teaches us that if we can become indispensable in someone's life, it's the highest form of love that can be achieved. Like all those songs that declare, I can't live without you, I'm lost without you, etc., But God's pattern of real love, whether it's friendship love or romantic love, is altogether different. The Apostle Paul shared a deep, heartfelt love with the Christians that he taught and he discipled. And yet, in all his interactions with the churches, his ultimate goal was to point them to Jesus Christ and not to himself. He said, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And when some believers tried to attach themselves to Paul in an unhealthy way, in other words, to become more preoccupied with Paul than with Jesus, he corrected them with the words, was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? When Paul describes the kind of love that God has called us to live by, he says, love is not self-seeking. That's in 1 Corinthians 13, 5. In other words, Christ's love does not selfishly seek first place. It always considers the other person's highest good. Now, if you stop and think about that, the highest good that any other person can ever find is not something we can offer. It's only found in Jesus Christ and him crucified. So our goal in every friendship and in every relationship should be to fasten that soul to Christ and not to ourselves. We are called to be a reflection of Christ's love in our relationships, but we're never called to take first place in another person's heart. That position should always be reserved for Christ alone. When we look to another person to meet needs in our heart that only Christ can fill, we quickly become needy and selfish in how we approach the relationship. So for example, if I base my happiness on Eric's ability to act like a romantic fairy tale Prince Charming 24 hours a day, I'm quickly going to become a frustrated, nagging wife who complains about my husband's faults and shortcomings. When I make Jesus Christ my first love and allow him to meet the deepest needs of my heart and my soul, I can approach my husband with an entirely different mindset. Instead of asking, how can I get him to fulfill my dreams? I can ask a different question. How can I serve and love my husband more. This is the kind of selfless attitude that causes a marriage to grow stronger with time. And by the same token, if we seek to make another person, even in a friendship, emotionally dependent on us, rather than fasting them to Christ, we're going to become a barrier to their intimacy with him. If I come to Eric with a problem and he tries to make himself the ultimate answer to my need, instead of turning my heart to the true comforter, he robs me of a precious opportunity to pour out my heart to God and to make God my all in all. Those are from the verses, Psalm 62, eight and 1 Corinthians 15, 28. But when Eric reminds me of God's promises, when he prays with me, when he encourages me to cast my cares upon Christ, my spiritual life is strengthened and I learn to look to the right source for peace and comfort. And that is how friendship godly, healthy friendships should be approached as well. Now, that's not to say we should never personally try to help meet another person's emotional needs by showing encouragement and comfort and selfless love. There is a really great joy and beauty to be found in human friendships and in earthly relationships. They can be a picture of our relationship with Christ. But by God's grace, we are never to slip into that place that can be filled by Christ alone. Our ultimate desire needs to be to see that other person draw closer to Him. So whether in a marriage relationship or a friendship, as each person individually draws closer to Jesus Christ, they naturally draw closer to each other in a healthy, God-honoring way. And that's the amazing way that God's pattern works. So if you think about women's gatherings that are very popular in the church these days. When you come together with other women in the church, are you pointing them to Jesus in the questions that you're answering, in the discussions that you're having, in what you're studying and talking about? Are you just processing thoughts and emotions and trying to be raw and real and authentic and listen to everybody else process their thoughts and ideas and emotions? Or are you truly as iron sharpening iron, pointing them to Jesus Christ and him crucified and turning the gaze of their soul to him and his truth, his life changing? truth. And that's really the test we need to be running these friendships through within the church. If we're going to be engaged in healthy friendships, we're going to be pointing each other to Jesus Christ. Now let's take a deeper look at what it really means to make Jesus our all-in-all because before we can learn how to fasten another soul to him, we have to learn how to make Him our all-in-all in in our own lives. If we don't understand who Jesus really is, we're never going to really know how to point another person's heart to Him. I've shared this list before, but here's a very quick glimpse through Scripture into some of the amazing attributes of Jesus as revealed in Scripture. He's our portion, our maker, our husband, our well-beloved, our savior, our hope, our brother, our helper, our physician, our healer, our refiner, our purifier, our Lord, Our master, our servant, our example, our teacher, our shepherd, our keeper, our feeder, our leader, our restorer, our resting place, our meat, our drink, our peace, our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification, our redemption, our all in all. Now, that's just a very quick look. There are so many other attributes and qualities listed in scripture as who Jesus is and who he wants to be in our lives. But if you think about it, if your heart is longing for that ultimate hero, protector, gentleman, rescuer, comforter, whatever it is that your heart is longing for, look no further than Jesus Christ. No human could ever come close to meeting our needs so perfectly and completely. Why would we ever seek to find fulfillment in another source but him? And why would we seek to take his place in another person's life? It's like attempting to fly across the world in a paper airplane instead of a real airplane. It can't be done. It's not going to happen. We will always be frustrated if we're trying to find that kind of fulfillment in human relationships. So, in addition to learning about who Jesus really is, I also encourage you to practice personally making him your all in all. We've talked about this before, but the next time you're tempted to look to another person for comfort, for peace, for joy, etc., practice turning to Jesus Christ first. Now, this doesn't mean we should never find any comfort or any peace through the rest of the body of Christ and And hearing their stories and sharing our stories with them, that can be an amazing aspect of being a part of the church. But all too often, we don't bother to take our cares to Jesus because we are convinced that unless we pour out our heart to another person, we're really not going to be comforted and our needs really won't be met. Yet, as I said, throughout Christian history and today in many persecuted countries, men and women have been stripped of all human comforts and put into solitary prison cells, sometimes for years at a time, and their triumphant testimonies prove that Jesus is more than enough to meet all of our needs and satisfy the longings of our heart, even if every other relational comfort is taken from us. If you have never personally experienced the reality that in his presence is the fullness of joy, then I encourage you to put that principle to the test. Make him your first turn and allow him to become everything to you that scripture says that he is. As you discover what it means to make Jesus your all in all, you'll be far more equipped to encourage others to do the same. I also want to encourage you to learn how to give the right kind of encouragement, and this may be review if you follow this podcast for a long time, but it's definitely worth repeating when it comes to healthy, godly friendships. Oswald Chambers, who is the man behind that devotional, My Utmost for His Highest, that most of us know and love, when he was a young traveling minister and speaker, he and his 10-year-old niece were visiting a church service, and at the end, a woman came up to him and said, Mr. Chambers, I need to tell you everything about myself. And when his young niece heard those words, she sighed and she sat down on a pew. She was prepared for a long, boring wait while the woman talked with her uncle. But she was surprised when Oswald returned just a few minutes later and said it was time for them to go home. The little girl said, I thought that woman was going to tell you everything about herself. And Oswald smiled and said, well, I asked her if she had ever told God everything about herself and she said she hadn't. So I told her to go home and tell God everything about herself and that she still wanted to talk to me the next week. I'll be here. And that is such an incredible illustration of pointing someone back to Christ. When someone comes to you with a problem or a need, it's really easy to feel that you need to come up with all the answers, usually right there on the spot. And then we overanalyze, did I give him the right answer? Did I say the right thing? It is very freeing to realize, though, that it's not our job to come up with all the answers. Our job is to point them back to the only one who has all the answers, and that is Jesus. Instead of feeling like you have to spend hours listening to a person's tales of sorrow and woe, and coming with a perfect answer to their every question, encourage them to first and foremost take their cares to Him. Ask if they have truly laid their burdens at Jesus' feet. Ask if they have really searched the Word of God for the specific promises and truths that apply to their situation. Ask if they have wrestled in prayer and cried out to God for their needs to be met. In a lot of cases, they will have skipped over those steps because they believe that their answers would be better found in human wisdom or human comfort. But no matter how seemingly complicated a person's issues may be, the root problem is still the same for all of us sin. And the true solution is still the same for all of us, Jesus Christ. If you find yourself always being that counselor, that listening ear, ask if you're really exhorting your friends to take their cares to Jesus first. It's not wrong to listen and to show empathy. And it can be such a great idea to pray with someone and search the scriptures with them when they come to you with a need. But if you find yourself always being their first turn, that's when you know you need to be more proactive in fastening them to Christ encourage, exhort, and strengthen your brothers and sisters in Christ, but never let them look to you for the answers that only Christ can give. Here are a few final thoughts that I want to share with you about healthy friendships. The old hymn says this, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And those words are so convicting, even now, even though I've heard them so many times, because it's easy to forget that Jesus is the truest, most trustworthy, most faithful, most perfect friend we can ever have. Human comfort and human wisdom will inevitably fall short, but his love never will. There is no problem he cannot solve. There's no need he cannot meet. So no matter what other friendships or relationships come into your life, he is the only one who will never fail you. And when you get to that place of knowing that at the depths of your soul, that's when you truly can be a healthy, godly friend. May we never allow any but Him to claim first place in our heart. May we never take the place that only He was meant to have. If we learn to love with this kind of selfless, God-honoring love, we can be sure that our friendships are going to flourish and shine with heavenly beauty. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into becoming a Christ-centered friend, we have more resources available at our website, setapartgirl.com. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.